You are listening to audio from Riverside Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit riverside.church. Well, good morning. My name is Jess Lyons. I realize I might be a uh, less familiar face to a lot of you. Um, My family and I, we've been here for about a year and a half. If I haven't had a chance to get to know you or uh, sit down with you, we have two very fast young boys that uh, circle this place pretty often uh, every morning. So um, I'm happy to, to be here with you all this morning. Because not many of you uh, may know me, I thought, what are two things that might give you an indication of who I am? So one of those things would be that when I put this microphone on, I immediately refer to it as my Britney Spears mic. And that's the only thing that I can kind of connect with this kind of hands-free mic. And then Andrew asked me if I was ready to do the choreography to follow. (laughs) I am not. And the other thing is this morning... um, I came in and I, the the words that Kari just read from Psalm 127, I just thought as I sat over there to remember the words um, that children are a heritage from the Lord and they are a blessing. Um, Those are uh, a mantra I'm trying to live by in in the days of four and seven-year-olds. So um, it's, it's good to be in scripture that challenges us in our daily lives. And that's exactly what Psalm 127 I think, gives us and provides for us. So as we just read those words, as we just heard them from a kind of short psalm in the book of Psalms, um, it would be easy to look at this and sort of just glaze over it. These are all kind of things we would nod our heads at and, and sort of feel good about. But this short psalm is actually a very rich psalm. Eugene Peterson described it as unpretentious brevity, and I really like that. I like the, the pack packed in nature of five verses in the big book of the Psalms that's actually near the end. And, and this little psalm is within a bigger collection of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. Maybe you've heard of these 15 psalms near the end of this book of the Bible. These 15 chapters, Psalm 120 through 134, are the psalms that are often referred to as pilgrim psalms or songs for the journey. And they were these songs. They were meant to be memorized and recited along the road to the highest point in Palestine at the time, to Jerusalem. And they truly were walking along a road, a road of ascent to this highest point. And these were... um, Long journeys, they were regular journeys for the people of Israel, and they were not easy journeys. So listen to these words from Isaiah that give us a little more idea about the Psalms of Ascent and this journey to Jerusalem. Isaiah 2 says this, and this is from the Message Bible. All nations will river toward it. People from all over set out for it. They'll say, come, let's climb God's mountain. Go to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. The songs of ascent were songs for worship, as we said, meant to be memorized. They were prayers more than anything. Prayers for peace, for the church in general, for injustice in the world, for restored joy and laughter. They are prayers of lament and trust, for humility, for unity. But as others in this Summer of Psalms series have noted, 
they're not really easy to sing to all the time. They're not these fun platitudes that are easily written on a shirt or slapped on a screen behind us. They are the words that are forming us. They were the words that were forming the people of Israel. They were meant to be sung along this ascent to Jerusalem, but they were also meant to be the refrain of life outside of that specific journey. Let's see how God works so we can live the way we're made. That refrain from Isaiah is going to continue to be the theme through today's psalm and through these 15 psalms and the psalms of ascent. Within the sequence of these psalms, Psalm 127 is what one scholar calls a pivot psalm. The previous set focused on the reality of life and could kind of get in the doldrums or uh, just not be that encouraging. Here, the psalmist continues to encourage us to trust in God and that that is the key to full living, but also makes a notable move towards joy. Though many of the psalms in this collection speak more generally about life with God, this psalm sort of speaks right to this daily life, work and parenting and tending to the things around us. We might say that this psalm refers to the daily grind. Anyone in the daily grind currently? Work and labor in the first section, family in the second. So let's look at this first section again. Verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. We see this phrase, in vain, pop up three times in just two verses. In vain, without success, to no effect, with no results. I would venture to say that most of us in this room want the opposite of that. We want success. We want purposeful work. We want the things we do to lead to something. We want to do work and tend to our responsibilities with God leading the way, I would say, as well. We desire that. Most of us would say yes and amen to these words behind us and to these words here in 127. It would be easy, again, to look at it and nod and say, yep, we're good, let's move on. But if we return to that phrase from Isaiah, he'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. I think we find something deeper here in Psalm 127. How does God work? What do these verses reveal to us about God's character? First, we see that God's intention is to build and watch. It always has been. It always will be. In the book of Psalms alone, we see lots of evidence of this. Psalm 147 says this, Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. What does that building look like, though? It's care, provision, security. Look at these verses, again, in 147. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. Do you hear the care? Do you hear the provision in those words? And then we see God as the one who watches over us. These words from Psalm 121, also a psalm in the Psalms of Ascent, speaks to that watching over. Psalm 121 says, He will not let your foot slip. 
he who watches over you and will not slumber. Sound familiar? Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen is right. God is already at work, building, watching. His building and his watching are heavy with care and provision. As we look at Psalm 121 and 127 side by side, we see that God grants sleep to those he loves. I love that verse. We see that because he is the one who does not slumber. While we rest, while we step away from what we are building and tending and watching over, he is still watching over us both now and forevermore. This knowledge of God's continuing care challenges our own understanding of how we approach work. Scholars Brueggemann and Bellinger remind us that because this is a part of those psalms of ascent we keep referring to, the building of the house and the watching over of cities most likely referred to the temple in Jerusalem. They help us see that these opening verses urge the view that the lives of families and the community of ancient Israel will not come to fruition outside of the context of Yahweh's gracious blessing. For the people of Israel and for us today, our work only thrives when we allow God to lead it. So let's turn our attention to the second part of Psalm 127. Verses 3 through 5 say, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. This section of the psalm reads less like instruction and prescription, more like a proverb, like wisdom literature. Here we read about the gifts and blessing of family, gifts that we do not do anything to receive. These are our gifts, and they are not earned. Again, as with the first section, we could nod and, and move on kind of glazing over this. But on further inspection, we find some helpful insight here. In the ancient world, children were a form of great blessing. This is probably familiar to you. Today, we recognize children as wonderful and magical and incredible gifts, but also, doesn't the phrase children are a heritage from the Lord sound kind of like a Hobby Lobby sign, like something you might find? We can't quite relate to the magnitude of what children as blessing meant to ancient Israel. Children were a sign of blessing and security. This imagery here of a quiver full of arrows is intended to spark a picture of provision and security. Like the assurance and protection you might have with a, a quiver full of, of arrows, you were fully armed, fully protected at this point. So is the man who has a family full of children to carry on his legacy, his community, his faith traditions. That is security. That was security. At the same time, we must contend with a painful reality that many struggle to conceive or bear children. In past communities and our very present communities today, we see the weight of those whose desire for children is never satisfied. Does this then disqualify those without children or those who came to have children in less conventional ways? 
Do they miss out on this blessing, this heritage and reward from the Lord? Here's the good news, no, (laughs) they do not. Where the Old Testament gives us a beautiful yet limited picture of blessing through biological childbearing, the New Testament gives us a much fuller view. In an article he wrote for Christianity Today, 80 in 86, so we are 30-some years ago, and we are already noticing that this is a conversation we need to have. So this is not a today conversation. This is a conversation we've been having for a long time. Dr. Ray S. Whiteman argues that a theology of family and blessing that does not address the childless is not actually biblical theology after all. Our understanding of ancient Israel would seem to limit all who are privileged enough to get that fullness of blessing from God. But the work of Christ and the new covenant changes things. Hear these hopeful words from this Dr. Anderson. In the theology of the Apostle Paul, the biological is now qualified by the spiritual. The primary metaphor is no longer conception, but adoption. Spiritually, Those who share in Christ's life through faith become children, not parents. The value of each person is centered on being a child of God, not in having children. Again, this is good news, right? We are all children of God. We all receive that blessing as being bearers of this God, bearers of his image, having his image imparted on us, with or without children, married or not, Christ, someone who was both childless and unmarried, offers a fuller, better life of blessing. In both sections of Psalm 127, we see these gifts of God as blessing. We see these blessings at play, what it looks like to live in life and do your work and parent your children and go about your day with the knowledge of blessing and the knowledge that God is leading us. A closer look at this, and one scholar says, She puts it this way. What we build and keep watch over, what we rise early for and stay up late tending in our lives only matters if God is part of it. That's everything. During the summer in the Psalms, a good friend and I decided to spend extended time in these 15 songs of ascent. The section of scripture holds pretty special significance to me uh, since a, a brief but challenging experience with my own kind of mini pilgrimage about a year ago. My good friend Courtney and I led a team of students on this mini pilgrimage backpacking trip in the mountains of Virginia along the Appalachian Trail. We were as prepared as you could be. Um, We did lots of YouTube watching, lots of packing the bag and figuring out what fits and what we could leave. Um, Found the right bear canisters that end up being the wrong bear canisters. We did a lot of prep work, and there was uh, just a lot, of, a lot of research. And then we drove to Virginia. We stayed a night in a hotel, and the next morning, we got on the trail with two heavy packs on our backs, and we started moving. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that within minutes, minutes on this trail, I regretted my decision. We immediately started moving up, not like easing our way into this trip and getting a good, uh, exciting view of the mountains. No, it was immediately moving up with 40-pound packs on our backs. And the, the regret was there, the, 
the fear of what did we get ourselves into, the fear of those we were responsible for. So it was challenging, to say the least. Also really powerful and beautiful. It was tough, but somewhere in the middle of our time, I began to notice this restlessness in myself. There was no way to hurry this process along. I couldn't get to our destination more quickly or more efficiently. I couldn't magically manifest stronger quads to hold myself up on the mountain. And at that point, I felt tired from previous hikes, so I could feel my unsteadiness as we moved up these mountains and along the trails. In Eugene Peterson's book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, he talks about this middle place that I was feeling. In each of our lifelong journeys with Christ, we probably experience this, the daily grind, the in-between. As we move, as we take the long, steady road of life with Christ, we hold pretty complicated feelings about that journey and process. We are puzzled, he says, and a little afraid, for there is wonder upon unexpected wonder on this road, and there are fearful specters to be met. I think that one main reason this section of the Psalms resonates with me today is because I am currently there, again, in the middle, in process. My daily grind is wearing me down quite a bit these days. My work, my parenting, Sometimes I sit in a dark room with my kids as they're falling asleep and they're irrationally crying out for drinks of water. And it's it's those moments that feel like I am in the middle. I am in the daily grind. I'm struggling to let God lead in the building, in the watching, the shepherding, the tending. But these words of promise and care really get me. He grants sleep to those he loves. There is care in our daily grind. There is room to be led. There is room to be ourselves and be in process and not hit the mountaintop at the moment. And in the process, as we step away and he watches over us as we rest, there is security in that, isn't there? I want to trust God's care and take comfort in how he watches over us, especially as we walk this long road with him. It feels long sometimes. Specifically when it comes to these verses in Psalm 127, I feel a strong invitation to look for the wonder in our lives, the wonder that Peterson refers to here. Last week, Andrew preached from Psalm 27. And there's this line in there, if you remember, if you, if you listened, that talks about seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. And that is a phrase I cannot get on my brain this past week. This idea of our eyes open to the wonder of God, to seeing the goodness in our time now. We have hope for the goodness when we are not in the land of the living, of course. But here now, in the midst of heaviness, in the midst of our daily grind, are my eyes open to the wonder and the goodness of God? Not always. In very straightforward ways, these psalms and songs of ascent offered language and worship for the people of Israel as they traveled up to Jerusalem. They carried with them the reminders of God's work and his character. These songs formed them. Today, we may not be embodying that same pilgrimage to a high, holy city. But we are all pilgrims. We, like the people of Israel, desire communion with God. And we are being formed by these psalms still. 
If we want to know him and be known by him, we enter into that community of fellow pilgrims. Call it pilgrimage, call it that long obedience in the same direction, discipleship, faith journey. It's all simply the process of spiritual formation. It's God showing us who he is and how he works, allowing us to live the way we're made. And I think generally we're made for this. We're made to be faithful workers, people of integrity and trust, people who rest knowing that without God's leadership and shepherding, our work is useless. It's in vain. We're people who see God's provision and blessing, and we work out of those gifts rather than towards them to earn them. We're made to faithfully tend all that has been entrusted to us. As we wrap up today, I want to leave you with these words from Jesus himself, paraphrased in the Message Bible. And I need these words in my life. I need to hold on to them and remember who God is and how I'm supposed to live in the middle parts of life. I need to hear them and hold on to them. So listen to these words from Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. May we learn to move through our daily lives with these words in mind. Christ offers rest and recovery in the midst of weariness. And he offers joy and laughter. The fullness of God is all of it. And better yet, he accompanies us as we walk that pilgrim road. So let's walk in wonder and expectation. Thank you for listening to Riverside Church. For more resources, visit riverside.church.